the scripture reading for today is from Matthew 3.17 and Zephaniah 3.17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> ah, like I said, I have no superpowers. All right, cool. So, um, could I get two lovely strapping young men to help me? Yes. Would you guys take this table and place it right here? I had forgotten this last time because I was so excited. All righty. Um, I would love, now then, for two uh, volunteers. We're going to be starting this series. Uh, we've been speaking about recreation, recreation. That's uh, been like the, the two sides of one coin. And I want you to picture here a, uh, a trinity of sorts. So uh, imagine a diagram here. And in this diagram is Sabbath and rest, right? This is at the top. This is what we've been speaking about at the first sermon. At the first sermon, that was June 20th, Father's Day, um, we spoke about Sabbath and rest, and they're kind of synonymous. We spoke about how in Genesis chapter 2, this concept, Sabbath and rest, was before the fall. And so there was this ebb and flow that we spoke about, man, God wants us to run or work, that was the analogy, and then God wants us to rest, stop running. Running and resting, and it's this ebb and flow, this rhythm to our life that God set in motion before chapter 3 before the fall. And so that was the first week. Then the second week, we broke that down. We broke rest and Sabbath down into recreation, which meant having fun. Pastor Kayla last week spoke about, uh, through this wonderful illustration of the chosen, where Jesus, he was like, you know, getting crunk. And it was, it was kind of funny. Like, I saw the Lord of the dance, and I was like, wait, no, that happened. Well, he is the Lord. Okay, so yeah, he is the Lord of the dance. And like Jesus is dancing in a circle. And it's kind of fun to see that. I miss that. I remember reading through the Old Testament and realizing, oh, these festivals, this isn't like, at the time, I, I, all I knew about church was like, it was boring. I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me. God has changed me. But I was thinking like, oh man, he made them like go to church. That sucks. No, God like commanded his people to have fun. And so... Here they are dancing and frolicking. And sometimes these festivals were like a week long. Like, you will have fun for a week. Yes, God, I will absolutely. And they're dancing. And so Kayla was speaking about that. Once again, the diagram. Rest, Sabbath, synonymous, and that breaks into having fun. Because what we believe is that God, he isn't just joy. That's one of the fruits of the spirits. But he has joy to give as well. And you can't have fun without joy. So he is the Lord of fun. Recreation. Today we're going to be speaking about recreation, a renewing. But before we do that, we're going to kick off that part with where we left off, thus the table. So as, uh, as we can see here, I have two pieces of paper, and I got roasted uh, in the last service because I didn't know how to make a paper airplane. So is there anybody bold enough to be video recorded and then shown to make paper airplanes. We're about to have a paper airplane competition. And so I feel you. I see your hand, my friend. Praise God. I need two adults. Dang it. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yes, Brother Gerber. Uh, yes, Kindred. All right, cool. These two gentlemen, if we can give them a round of applause, woo, are going to be competing. Today's prize is a $25 Chick-fil-A gift card. Yeah. All righty, so we're going to put one minute on the clock. While we play, uh, while, while we do that one minute, could we play our non-copyrighted, we learned this the hard way last week, Jason played an awesome song, it was perfect, and then copyright got in the way of our live stream. So a non-copyrighted song that we have back there while you guys make your paper airplanes. So we're going to put one minute, uh, actually, I have a stopwatch that I know how to use. All righty, so in three, a minute and a half, oh, okay, in three, two, one, and have at it. All right, sick. <laughs> By raise of hands, does anybody here know how to make a paper airplane? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Kind of. Yeah. I remember getting shown this in like kindergarten and it just immediately like we had a, a video game system in our kindergarten class. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper airplane. Cool. Okay. Here you go. And then we just started playing video games. All right. 30 seconds. Yes. 30 seconds. I think someone is trying to get your attention. <laughs> Oh, man, that's pristine. That thing got a Hemi? Woo! All righty, so 15 seconds. Can you guys join me in the last 10 seconds? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and... All righty, praise God. So if you guys will stand in front right here, kind of shoulder to shoulder. And then uh, wave hi to your friends and fans. Praise God. And then uh, who among you is, I uh, will just go tallest. All right, cool, Gerber, woo! If, <laughs> if you will toss yours down, the, down the, the, the alley, the hallway, the, yes, that pathway that has no chairs. Praise God, Io. I swear I have a college degree. All right. And the farthest one will win, all right? Let it rip, cousin. He did that on purpose. He did that on purpose. <laughs> All right, so we have a clear judgment of where that one landed. That landed one, two, three, four, five, six rows back. All right, no pressure, Kinfo. The Lord is on your side. Oh! <laughs> All righty. Praise God, cousin. Yes, give these guys a round of applause. Yes. Yo. All right, in the first service. <laughs> in the first service, uh, my wife and I were sitting with, oh gosh, names fail me. She's going to roast me later. Anyway, we were sitting with this, uh, with this woman. We'll just put it that way. We were sitting with this woman, and no one wanted to get up there and like, make a paper airplane and toss it. And I thought, oh, I, I guess that's not as common of a skill as I thought it was. And two people go up there. They make a paper airplane. It's kind of jumbled. I think... Their paper airplane went from where I'm at to, like, the second row. And that's, that's the competition, right? It was just like, oh, okay, crash landing. You guys did fantastic. That was cool. Well, from this, I, I, I look over and I'm like, ma'am, do you know how to make a paper airplane? I was just making small talk in the middle of the sermon while Charlie's preaching his heart out. Awful timing. And so I make small talk with this lady. And she's like, oh, of course, honey. And she, like, folds her bulletin into the most pristine paper airplane. I was like, why didn't you 
what the? And she just kept on like playing with it throughout the service. I was like, that's awesome. I want to be like that when I grow up. So paper airplanes, fun, right? Um, this is an analogy. Uh, the paper airplane uh, last week. Gosh, what was our competition last week? Trivia? Trivia. We had trivia last week. My wife and I love trivia. And then the week before that, we had, I remember the prize. I can't remember. I remember two dads. Oh, Jenga. Played Jenga, played trivia, and then now we played paper airplanes. Uh, I haven't seen a paper airplane in at least double-digit number of years. And here we are at church doing this, right? So, recreation, fun, joy, definitely part of not just God, but from God, all that he has made. It's weaved into the fabric of life, yo. And so, my hope is, actually, I should probably ask it, uh, by the the number of of voices that chuckled, was that fun? Yay, cool. Uh, I remember that, uh, that, that lady in the first service, she actually asked, Uh, I think it was from her idea. She was like, man, they should have made all of us make paper airplanes. That would have been fantastic, everybody making paper airplanes, then toss them at the same time. That would have been cool. So, uh, recreation, definitely part of God's plan. That kicks off into the recreation, the the newness, the renewalment that comes with Sabbath. Today, I'd love for us to take Jenga as an example of our mind. Jenga has been used as an example of many different things, uh, but Jenga today is going to be an example of our mind. And it's going to come specifically, ah, kindred in the back, if you could put up Zephaniah 317. So Zephaniah 317, let me grab my phone real quick, is going to speak to this, this analogy. So Zephaniah 317, hear now the word of the Lord. This was our first, uh, this was one of the verses that we read today, right? The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Sick. Why did we choose that verse? Why did we choose that chapter? Why did we even choose that book? Check this out. Raise of hands, anybody here ever read Zephaniah? I recently read it. Cool. Um, you know, 10 years in Christ, 66, of the books, uh, 66 books of the Bible, there's a lot to read and cover, right? I got to reread and reread and reread things. I go to Zephaniah, and it's three chapters long. I want to give some background to Zephaniah because I feel like it goes hand in hand with our analogy of Jenga being our mind. Check this out. All right, so in Zephaniah's day, Zephaniah is a spiritual leader. God calls on Zephaniah. Zephaniah says, yes, sir, and follows out what God told him to do. This was during a time period where the governing authorities in the land just weren't getting it right with their God. And so there was a lot of disobedience in the land. And for anybody who's read the scriptures, whenever there's disobedience among God's people, there are consequences. Father God has to come and deliver a divine spanking. So that's what happens. And so the first chapter, three chapters, first chapter... God saying, I'm coming for the divine spanking. Second chapter, this is why I'm coming to give the divine spanking. And then there's this third chapter that shows more of God's heart. The first two chapters talking about holiness and, 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 and our God is like, he's just this standard. He is light. There is no darkness in him. And he has spotted darkness in his people when there should be light. 
boom, we go into the third chapter, and this speaks about his love and his compassion. And this verse comes from that love and compassion, saying like, hey, all of this messed up stuff that's gone on, that's going to go away. I've dealt, we've dealt with it. We're good. Now let's, let's move back into this relationship. And so I'm going to read this again. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. We're going to contrast this. Check this out. So the Lord your God is in your midst. The contrast of that. They say if you want something to pop out, do the opposite of it, or the, the, the contrast. I wish I had more art language. And so the Lord your God is in your midst, as opposed to I'm far away from you. Now remember, this is a people group back in the day, Old Testament, here to teach us about those of us who are living in the New Testament. These people were messing up with God. Their relationship with God was not okay. God dealt with it, and then God says, hey, this is my heart for you. I'm not wanting to live in, in this like, oh, I'm angry with you, mm, spanking. No, that was there out of my love. And now I can give just the, the heartfelt, the, the safe, the, the hug, the kiss. Like now we can make up. And so he's in your midst, a warrior who gives victory, not defeat. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Dang, I've been in trouble with my dad before, and I don't think, there are some times where I'm like, he's never going to love me again. Heck no. And God says, I will rejoice over you and with gladness. Like, I want to do this. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I think that speaks to us. Can you guys, so I'm going to borrow some mannerisms from my pastor. Can you guys say, so what? Right on. Well, what's the big deal with that? Well, God is wanting to renew us. That's part of his heart. Whether we've been going okay or maybe we haven't been going okay. This is part of God's heart. In three little chapters, if we follow the spectrum of it, it's like, I'm here to correct you, I'm here to correct you, and now we can be in relationship again. And that's part of his heart. He wants to be close to us. So says many different scriptures, specifically pointing to this one. I'm going to read it as, a, as, a, as it was written down. God created us, and when he did, he said it was very good. But God also knew that one of the consequences of sin would be that at times life will be difficult in this world. There will be challenges that drain our energy, obstacles that frustrate us, painful moments that just won't make sense. And so when it comes to our mind and the illustration of, uh, of Jenga being our mind, the frustrations, the things that don't make sense, that happens in our world. Sometimes it just happens because of the, you know, I, I can't control the weather. I can't control when someone gets sick. But then sometimes it happens because of the enemies that we have. Scripture speaks about that we have three very distinct enemies. One is the corrupt nature. That's the sin nature. That's the darkness. The second one is the devil. Scripture speaks about both of these enemies and the reality that we live in this, right? Don't worry. It, it may be a sad and somber note right now, but... I promise you it's going to end in hope. i got to deal with the darkness to get to the light. So from what I was saying about these enemies, the first one, the flesh, Scripture speaks about how it tries to permeate our mind and twist our mind. It tries to permeate our heart where our desires are, so our thoughts, our desires, our feelings, and twist those. And if it can win the battle of those, it's going to try to twist how we see life and then how we operate in life. Mind, heart, attitude, 
and then behavior. My homegirl Avery talks to me about general psychology, and that's just a general psychological pathway of us being human. And how there's an entity that tries to mess with us every day. And then as if that wasn't bad enough, there's Satan. And Jesus has some very sharp words to say about him. You are the father of lies. Your native tongue, like meaning you naturally just speak lies to people. And it says that he fell on earth and we got to deal with him. And then the third enemy. There's a collective of people who listen to this dark spirit and then this other dark spirit. And they obey him. Versus the Holy Spirit and God, the devil, and the corrupt nature. The antithesis. And they make systems. And they create standards. And they create rules. And they like to say what is good. Versus what God has already said is good. Right? And we call that the world. The flesh, the devil, and the world. Coop, you better start talking about Jenga. Right. Reason that I'm bringing all of this up is because these three entities mess with our mind. Tell me if this doesn't ring true. If this is an analogy of our mind, and if what scripture says, if God's got a grip on reality when it comes to the flesh and all of the the enemies that we naturally face, tell me if this doesn't ring true. You have just done good in your job. I'm talking about really good. So good that they gave you like a $2 raise and you can come in later, like two hours later than everybody else. That good. All right, so that happens. And we're going to put this right here. All right. So your work. Second thing. You have finally accomplished something personal in your life that you've been wanting to. With my life... It's that, man, I finally got around to message everybody who'd messaged me, to talk to everybody who wanted to talk to me, and still have time for my wife. That's a good day. So let's say you finally got to have that conversation with somebody that you've been wanting to. You got to spend time with that person that you wanted to. And all right, cool. Your mind's still intact. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to blow on it because microphone live stream. But if I blew on this, it would still be okay. It's, it's not going anywhere. All right, cool. Your mind is still structured right. But now, there's some third things. You have a dog. You finally fed the dog. You have a cat. You finally fed the cat or cleaned out the litter box. Praise God. Or there was an anniversary, right? And maybe you remembered it. Yes. All right. I hear you, Tank. All right. It moved a little bit on that one. Sick. So those three things have been accomplished. Those three things were on your mind and it's going good. Now the flesh, the devil, and the collective of people who refuse to obey God, now they come in. That's not like we invite them in. No, they're just there. I think about Romans 7. Romans 7, Paul is talking about this tension that we live in. It's like, I want to serve God, but then there's this crap that goes on. And I want to love and like obey him, but man, there's this force that chooses not to. And, I, and he's just like getting torn apart. And he says, it's no longer I who live in sin, but sin living in me. And if the, if the scriptures have a grip on reality because they're the voice of God, then this is a reality that we live in. And these holes, they get pointed out. Let's break down the first one. So the first one was dealing with job. Got this promotion. You get to come in two hours uh, later than everybody else. and You got $2 raise. It's fantastic. The flesh points out your weaknesses and says, hey, 
There's expectations on you, and you can't meet them. In fact, you were supposed to be at that one meeting, and you missed it. Man, people are looking up to you. Weakness, blasted. Second one. All right, so you finally had that conversation with somebody, but then someone else messages you. Maybe it's your folks. They miss you. They want you to call them more. They want to see you more. Man, but I'm over here trying to like save the world and I got a family and job and there's just not enough. Like, can't you? And they didn't say like, you know, it's your fault, but they just said that they miss you. So out of everybody that you talk to, but you miss this part. But it's because you dealt with all of this and you didn't have enough time and dang it, weakness, blasted. Third thing, let's say you took care of the kids. Let's say you took care of the pets. Let's say you took care of the lawn but you forgot some date. You forgot some timing of something. You forgot an anniversary, heaven forbid. You forgot someone's birthday, also heaven forbid. But this happens. Weakness, blasted. And I see this structure, this is the mind right in the gaps. And instead of the whole of the structure, the 99% of it or 97% of it being well, this enemy inside of us, not God. God doesn't talk like that. God doesn't condemn. This is something outside of him. Points at all of your weaknesses. And if it has its way, it's not going to go away. It's not going to be like, oh, you're weak in this one area. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll remind you. No, it's constant. It has a mission. Genesis chapter 3 says that this entity has a desire, and its desire is for you. Coop, this is heavy, man. When's the light stuff? I want to make a point here because this is the reality of the life that we live in. And outside of God, there is no hope. Inside of God, this stuff gets dealt with, with a vengeance. And so this being our mind reminds me of the garden. Out of everything that you have, Satan comes in and says, this is the one thing you don't have. And then just blast that in your face. Same thing with our daily life. No matter how big or small our responsibility is, if we mess up, it's there to point it out. And if we don't mess up, it's going to remind us of when we did mess up. I hate that. That right there. Is everybody vibing with that or was that just for me? You guys, you guys follow me here? That right there, you know, when it comes to rest and Sabbath, that'll mess with fun. When it comes to rest and Sabbath, you're not renewed at the end of it. You feel tired still. Maybe not physically tired, but scripture speaks about that there is a weariness and I feel tired on the inside because I've been fighting this enemy that just won't let up. All right. Can you guys tell me on the count of three, there's hope. One, two, three. There's hope. Praise God, there is. All right. So from this, got to track with my notes. From this, I'm reminded of a season. It was actually spring semester. My wife could come up here and she could preach this, but she's humble. She's going to let me do all the talking. All right, so it's spring break. At the Wesley, we try to go from zero to 60, give 110. We can only give 100, but we try to give 110%. We try to get eight hours of work done in seven hours. And so we're, we're booking it. And spring break finally comes. And I have been resting a little bit. I've been playing, but I haven't been renewing. So... Rest is about halfway. And in this rest, what 
ended up happening was I'd come into rest and I'd feel like I wasn't enough. Now, I didn't have language for that at the time, but that's what ended up happening. Praise God for God, because man, out of all these responsibilities of people and their souls, their eternal souls on the line, and uh, one of my strengths, which can be a weakness, is responsibility. Basically, what I care a whole bunch about, you can tell that I care a whole bunch about it. I like obsess about it. And so I take responsibility and ownership of things that aren't my responsibility and ownership. So there's a control issue there. And the enemy loves to mess with my head on this. So spring break happens. And I remember at the first of the week, I was thinking like, man, I couldn't rest. Once again, I didn't have language for that. That was just like swirling around in my emotional system. And I I felt like I couldn't rest. I was like, oh, man, people are counting on me. They want the Wesley open. But what I really want to do is just like lay down on my floor and just not do anything. No, I'm being lazy. I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I'm lazy. I'm so... I'm realizing, like, I'm kind of, well, my wife is realizing this. I'm kind of twitchy. Usually I'm kind of peaceful and happy-go-lucky. I speak very softly. And in this, I'm moving around very fast. And I'm not not focusing at all. And my wife is, like, calling to me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up, baby? You you need something? You know, almost, I'm fragile. She's like, hey, um, go ahead and cancel everything on your calendar. (sighs) Get behind me, Satan. How dare you? Like, no, don't, don't call your wife Satan. I didn't do that. But to the degree of like, I could never do that. It's like, honey, you need rest. And she said that, and I remember thinking, why is that so hard for me to believe? I ended up crying right there, just like her calmness, her kindness. She hugs me. I'm weepy. She's like, what's wrong? And I choose the courage to tell her all of my weakness because the enemy has been blasting me with you're weak, you're weak, you're weak. And something that I realize is that I, I want to, to prove that I'm not weak. If I can't find the words to defeat the voices in my head that try to defeat me, I will try to externally show that they're wrong. But as Charlie had said in the traditional service, both are a lie. Because we are not enough. We cannot attain this level of love. And so I'd love for you guys to, to point at me So everybody go ahead and point at me real quick. We're going to conclude with this thought. And say, you are not enough. Now I want you to point back at you and say, I am not enough. I am not enough. And that's real. Because if we continue doing that, there'd be pride issues here of saying like, ha ha, I've attained something. But scripture says like, man, you can't attain this love. And then if we're like, man, you're right, I'm not enough. Shame and both are of the enemy. Scripture speaks about Jesus and he has a middle way. And his middle way is, well, him. He is the middle way. To where he's not trying to get you in shame and he's not trying to get you in pride. It leans and hinges on him and his words. What I learned about that season was that God has a lot to say about rest. Specifically in my season, about not enough, the wounding of not enough, if anybody in here has had that. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Corinthians 8, he speaks about basically, man, what you have to give, give that. And whatever that is, whatever give you have to give, if it's in Jesus' name and joyful, I accept that. A parable that he had about this was the loaves and the fishes. You metaphorically are the loaves and the fishes. God takes it, he blesses it, and then he gives it and multiplies it. So what you have to give, he'll multiply. And that stomped out. 
that not enough lie that allowed for renewalment to come about in my life. And so what this looks like practically for, for us is there are things within our life that the devil knows that he's trying to attack. And if we sat down long enough, which is scary, to listen to this voice, it's very telling if we ask why we, why we feel that way. Because I bet you there's a verse within scripture that counteracts that. But the difference between knowing that verse and not knowing it is faith in God, believing that. Many of us here with, with uh, the Zephaniah 3.17, God wanting to renew over us and God having sing, wanting to sing over us, it's hard for us to see that God loves us, yes, but does he really like us? Because we have this voice that tries to say, I am very unlikable to you, O holy God. Yet God says, man, that's a lie. I love you. What you have to give, I receive that. What you struggle with, I have words to combat that. Just like Jesus in, in, the, in the desert. Jesus in the desert, and Satan comes up, and he's like, I'm going to get you. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah? I got words for you. And he combats every single lie that the Satan tries to tell him with God's word. And the devil flees. And I love that. That's the hope. Because of God's word over whatever sensitive button, sensitive insecurity, weakness that it tries to blast in you, whether now or before, there's God's word that allows, upon taking it, allows Satan to be resisted. And then scripture says he will flee. And so, this happens. That'd be a really bad analogy if this fell. You mess up with forgetting anniversary. You mess up with for, uh, not feeding the dog. Worth isn't found there. Identity's not found there. Value is not found there. You messed up. You are so weak. You are so forgetful. God doesn't talk like that. One, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I picture Satan getting blown. Oh. Also, God says that uh, my value is not found externally. It's found within him. Other punch to the face, Satan. He calls me a saint. Oh, stop talking. Stop using God's word. No, I'm not done yet. You didn't call your folks Cooper because you were out messing with everybody else, but man, your family, dang it. God, this is all I have. I take that. I receive that. I bless it. I see the give that you have. God gives me grace. I receive that. God affirms me by his truth that, hey, this rat race, not enough. There's, there's a million other things to do. You've done the most that you could do. I will take care of your family. Thank you, Lord. Affirmed. And then this one with your work. Man, I don't have to perform to receive love. These titles that earth gives me are below the titles that God gives me. I'm still a son or a daughter. I'm still a priest or a priestess. Within Matthew 3.17, we read a small portion of that. The whole of that verse speaks about how the, the forces of God fell down. It, it, John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus so that what is said, all righteousness may be affirmed. Holy Spirit falls on Jesus because, man, perfect human has finally completed this to rewrite you know, the, the, the Testament, the covenant with God. And uh, in it, Jesus hasn't done anything to receive that level of love. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't fed the 5,000 or the 4,000. He hasn't healed the lepers and the sick. He hasn't preached to the masses. He hasn't flipped a table in the temple. And so at the beginning, he was affirmed in his love, in his identity, and his worth to then proceed no matter what ups or downs happened. And I feel like this is an example of 
how to fill in those gaps in our head that the enemy is just looking for until God's word comes to step on him like a cockroach. If you can tell, I don't like Satan. He does very messed up things to people that I love. And so a word of encouragement is we must find these, these woundings, maybe they're pretty evident, and then find the word of God. For me, it was not enough. And God's word said, that's not even the equation. I know I'm God. I know I'm infinite. I know you're flawed. It's cool. I love you regardless. Whatever you have to give, give that, and I receive it. Whatever. You, you give that much? If you give that joyfully, praise. I'll receive that. You give that much? I'll receive that joyfully. Praise. But your value ain't worth. It's not in what you do. It's in me. That was my lesson in spring break over, over this topic of renewalment so that finally I could rest, not just having fun, but then also in receiving something that only comes from God to perk up and operate in his nature. With it, if, uh, if the worship team will come up. All righty. Let us pray. Hmm. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the strength of your word. I thank you for your hope that is found on this planet and that is real and that many of us operate in. In Jesus' name, may your light come and shine, Lord Jesus. May we not be vacant temples, but may we be full of you. In Jesus' name I pray. May you receive our thanksgiving and our praise. May you forgive us of our trespass so we may joyfully receive you, God. Not in pride and shame, but out of you. You have made us worth you. In Jesus' name, amen.